Welcome everyone to another episode of the Liberators Network podcast. I am Christian Verwijs and I'm here today with my colleague Barry Overeem. Welcome everyone. Sitting in a van (laughs) (laughs) in a forest near Utrecht. We're on our corporate biannual retreat and we had some time left so we thought why not record another podcast episode. And Barry, what's the topic for today? Um, Liberating structures. And what we're going to do is we're going to try to share about 10 to 12 sort of like recommendations that we have for liberating structures practitioners and those are recommendations of things that we've learned over the past years by uh, using it ourselves so just so you know we en- ended up with 13 bullets barry was like i do not want to end with 13 <laughs> tips for your liberating structures so it's going to be either 12 or 14 right yes 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 and then like i said it's going to be we're aiming for a an episode that will take about 10 minutes. So it's going to be very short recommendations. Cool. First one. Yeah, so the first one is one of the most powerful ones. And often our recommendation is just don't use it. And once you haven't used it, you'll see the importance of it. Because it's, um, it's the, a sentence that we use after every, sort of like before explaining every liberating structure. And the sentence is when I'm done explaining. So the intention is before explaining a liberating structure, before encouraging the participant to start doing something, always first make your first sentence when I'm done explaining. And if you don't use it, people will just go wild from the start because then you said your first sentence will be uh, form pairs and etc. etc. And then they're already forming pairs and you're just nowhere yet. And then sort of like chaos will sort of like be (laughs) launched and you'll be lost as a facilitator. So this may be one of the simplest tips we're going to give, but also one of the most powerful ones. Because we've seen this go wrong so many times with us and other facilitators. Yes. So this is a good one. Yeah. So, um, Chris, do you want to take the, the next one? Yeah, I think the second tip has to do with invitations. So um, the invitation is sort of the question that you ask the people when they start a one-two-for-all or impromptu networking or the other structures that you're using. Um, And we found that like 80% of the work is to come up with a good invitation, which is a good question. And a question gives direction because you want to have people talk about something that's important to the topic that's at hand. But you also want to make sure that the invitation is open enough so that people can sort of use their creativity, their own intelligence and experience to fill in that question with what's important to them. Um, and there's a whole art to crafting good invitations. We'll add a link to a blog post about that in the, in the description of this episode. But really spend time on invitations. And if possible, just put them on the Slack channel of, of Liberating Structures user groups or the, the global community. Ask for help there, ask for feedback work with someone else to refine the invitations, but really spend time on this. Yeah. And that's the second one. And the third one is um, find a co-facilitator. Because facilitation can be hard work, especially when you have a large group that you need to work with. And having a co-facilitator can not only sort of like help you by sort of like giving feedback, like how how am I doing as a facilitator? So you can help each other out. But also that, let's say one person is gonna start with impromptu networking, then the other person afterwards can already prepare Troika Consulting, for example. That could be a way to co-facilitate. But you can also say one person is gonna do the first round of impromptu networking, the other person is gonna do the second round. 
for the group itself it's more fun to have two facilitators but it will really sort of like make your work or your life as a facilitator much easier as well even when i annoy the hell out of you when we're co-facilitating still then yeah <laughs> there are times when i'm in doubt but yeah i still recommend uh, having a co-facilitator happy to hear that so chris what is the fourth recommendation yeah the fourth recommendation is to be prepared to change your mind and um well, I think we've seen a lot of examples of this also just for ourselves. Initially, when we started, we tried to be very prepared, have a full string in mind and all the invitations ready. But as it happens, things sometimes go different. So people spend more time on a structure than you expected or something comes up that's more important than what you had in mind. So really be prepared to let go of the string you have prepared and do something else. And what I found helpful is to just have a couple of basic structures at hand, like one, two for all, impromptu networking. Um, and just think about that up front for a moment. What, what other structures could I use if this doesn't work? And that, that just gives you a peace of mind. I think that's a really simple tip to do. Yeah. And that also ties in in the previous recommendation to co-facilitate because then you have sort yeah. of like someone with whom you can safely sort of like share ideas about what, what to do. Yeah, absolutely. And the fifth tip, Barry, what's that? That's preventing mechanical facilitation. And I've experienced uh, as a participant, a one-to-for-all that took 20 minutes explaining and 10 minutes doing it. And that was kind of annoying. So for example, just a one-to-for-all, don't over-explain it. Just say, okay, think about a certain question, find someone else, share ideas, and as a pair go on a double date and, and, and search for patterns, things that stand out. And, and if necessary, let's sort of like bring some big ideas to the group as a whole. Then you're doing a want of role, but people probably will not even notice that you're doing a want of role. So really try to uh, explain liberating structures in a very mechanical way, explaining all the steps in detail, all the time boxes, just try to make it as smooth as possible. Um, so the, and the next one is Chris, we're already moving into the sixth recommendation yeah be flexible with your time boxes so if you look in the liberating structures book or in the design cards or on the website you can see that something like eco cycle planning is there for quite a long it's it's i think it's 60 to 90 minutes even um, you can be more flexible with that uh, there are some for example one two for all i wouldn't be too flexible with those time boxes like one one minute for one person two minutes for pairs four minutes for groups of four but for most other structures you can you can do it in less time. Um, sometimes you have to do it a couple of times to get more used to it, play with it for a little bit, but it's okay to, to be flexible with the time boxes based on what your goal is, of course. Cool. And then we're moving into the next one and that is let the structure do the work. Um, each liberating structure has a very clear structure and the structure might be a time box. It might be the way seating is arranged. It might be the way groups are distributed. Uh, just make sure that that is clear for the participants and then just trust the structure because they will sort of like self-organize themselves amongst those structures. Mm -hmm. And once they are clear for them, then people will even not even notice the structure. That's also an example of like when it's not clear, then people will sort of like ask around with confusing looks and like what do we need to do and what's the next step, etc. Um, but if you sort of like make sure that the structures of each liberating structures are, be, are very specific and very clear, then you'll see that sort of like it will just take care of itself. 
So Chris, the next one might be very... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just use tincture bells. <laughs> and if you don't know what they are, you can Google them. Um, but they are, they are bells. And if you ding them together, they give a very high sound. But it's a, it's a, it's a fairly pleasant sound to listen to, unless you do it too hard. Um, <laughs> Uh, but it's a good way to draw attention because it cuts through everything, all the noise. Um, if you don't like tincture bells, you can also use something else. Uh, we've seen people use, I don't even know how you call them, like they give an echo. Mm. Um, it's just something to draw attention so that it's easy for you to get attention back from the group when you want to move on to the next step. Another way than using tincture bells is to raise your arm. And when other people see you raise your arm, they do the same and they stop talking at the same time. And that way you can very easily get a whole group of people to, sh well, to basically shut up <laughs> very quickly and allow you to move on. Mm. Cool. Cool. And what's the next step, Barry? Uh, the next one is about strings. And uh, you could say that one libraine structure is basically just a word. And if you string them together, then you create a sentence. And sentences can be more powerful in that sense. A different way to explain it is uh, libraine structure are a bit like Lego bricks. And one Lego brick can be fun to play with, but the real fun starts when you combine liberating structures and then mm. the possibilities are endless. You can sort of like go wild with that one in infinity. Um, so our recommendation is to not only do one liberating structure, but really sort of like play with combining them. And given the purpose that you have in mind for a certain workshop or meeting, figure out a string of liberating structures by which you think you can achieve that purpose. Cool. And the next one is trying try Yeah, tr try to be part of a user group mm. um, and try it there. Um, because one thing that's always scary is trying a new liberating structure with a group for the first time. And what we found to be very helpful is to try them with a user group first, get feedback from people, and then use it with your own within your own team or organization. It just gives you a good way to practice and get feedback from other people. And that's what user groups are for. And if you want to join a user group, we have one in the Netherlands that's really popular. And I think we have over a thousand members now. But you have many different user groups all over the world that you can join and they're free. So it's just a good way to learn. Yeah. And I think within those user group meetups, um, using liberating structures often is the goal. But if you use liberating structures in a different context, then it should not be the goal. So... Um, what I find very powerful is that um, once we've had a workshop in which we've used a lot, a lot of liberating structures, the people had an awesome experience, we achieved the goal, but people were not even aware of the fact that we used liberating structures. Uh, and I think in the end, that's what it should be about, about the purpose that you achieve with it, the possibilities um, that, that they offer, but should never be a goal in itself. Yeah, it's a bit like Scrum. You shouldn't be doing Scrum for the purpose of doing Scrum, but because you want to learn faster and deliver value sooner. Um, and it's sometimes far more powerful to not even be too specific that you're using Scrum. You're just trying to learn as fast as possible. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So let's move on to the next one, which is also a really good one, is that it's preferable not to use PowerPoint. It might seem like a weird thing because a lot of us are really used to that. Um, and it may seem convenient to just have a PowerPoint up that shows the invitation, for example, maybe even the steps. And I know some people in the community do it and they like doing it. But what we've noticed is that people do tend to look at the screen the whole time. And they're not looking at you, they're not looking at each other. Um, so we found it very helpful to just not use PowerPoint and make sure that we explain the invitation ourselves and we repeat it a couple of times. So first we explain it once, then we explain the structure, 
Then we explain it again, and when people are doing the structure, we sometimes repeat it for a third time, which is a good way for people to catch on to what we're trying to do. Yeah, and it also helps you with the other recommendation that we gave, be prepared to change your mind. Yeah. So what we've noticed is that we had a different idea, but we already prepared the presentation, and it was quite difficult for us to incorporate the change, because we then we needed to change the slides as well. So if you don't use, uh, use a presentation, you'll create lots of flex more flexibility for yourself as well. Yeah. And uh, the next one is that the location is very important. The location in which you are going to use your meeting, your workshop, etc. And we've had some impossible locations like the classic meeting room with the large oak table in the middle of the room and it was quite difficult to do yeah. for example a troika or any other kind of liberating structures so really make sure that when you prepare your gathering that you have a location that that's sort of like suitable for using liberating structures and it's actually quite simple just make sure you have enough space and that you that you don't have any tables or chairs that you cannot remove um, having enough space to move around is already a big step in the right direction yeah absolutely yeah, no meeting tables in the middle. Yeah. yeah, and finally, the 14th tip that we have for you is um, the best way to learn how to use liberating structures is also to see how other people do it, especially people that have a lot more experience with them. Uh, Barry and I have le learned a lot from watching Keith McCandless, from watching Fisher Qua, Anna Jackson, people that we hold in high regard in terms of how to use liberating structures and just the way they use language, the way they use their body when they're facilitating to emphasize certain key points. Just seeing how they do that is a really good way to learn liberating structures. Um, and we always encourage people to do that. And you can also join one of our workshops to see how we do it. That's just our style. Some people like it, other may not. So it's also about finding the people that have a style that you like. Yeah, and while having this sort of like conversation with each other i uh, <laughs> another, another recommendation came up <laughs> and that's um what i do, what i've personally done in the beginning is read a lot about liberating structures and continue uh, sort of like trying to make sense of a certain liberating structure by reading all the kinds of blog posts mm. about it and stuff that's available and uh, what i've learned over time is just do it just join a user group or find another opportunity and just try one or more liberating structures. And while doing it, you'll start making sense of it and start improving it. That's a really good one. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we got EcoCycle at all from the book, but the first time we did it, we were like, wow. And that's yeah. usually how everyone responds to EcoCycle planning. Cool. cool. So these are 15 tips for using liberating structures within your own practice. I think they're all quite doable, actually. Easy to do. Yeah. 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 Um, so we really hope that these are helpful for you. And we encourage you to give Liberating Structures a try. Uh, a really good place to start is in your local user group. There are many of them around the world. There are also two-day immersion workshops about Liberating Structures, which is a good way to sort of experience 20, 25 Liberating Structures in two days usually from experienced design teams. There also are liberating structure immersion workshops happening all over the world. Also, we're hosting one in the Netherlands in March, March somewhere in March. We'll put the link in the description as well. Um, and Barry and I have written a lot of blog posts about liberating structures that may also help you in how to facilitate particular structures. But having said all that, we really want to thank you for taking the time to learn something new, in this case about liberating structures, and we wish you all the best. Let us know how things went in the comments. Yeah, enjoy putting it in practice. Cool, have a great day. See you next time. Bye-bye.